Hey, what's up? Somewhat Supernatural, Scuba Steve here, coming to you live from my living room studio with episode four of Somewhat Supernatural. We will be discussing Ghosts of Tennessee. I would like to take this time to introduce my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only, the Mid-South maniac himself, Corey Kaufman. How's it going, brother? Senior Scuba, how are you doing this evening? Oh, you know, just... Got out of work not too long ago. I am on officially on Thanksgiving Day vacation. So oh, man. I get a whole week <laughs> off of just relaxing. And, you know, I got a drive coming next week. Uh, I'm going to go visit my mom. She lives about eight hours away. So that's really all. I mean, but everything in Texas, if you're going to drive, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's everything's eight hours away. So, you know, I got to drive ahead of me, but I'm excited. I haven't seen my mom for a while and I get to see my brother and my sister and nieces and nephews and stuff. So. It's going to be a good little family trip vacation that we're going on. So good deal. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I wish I could say it started the same for me. I mean, I technically got to go back to work for like two and a half or three days next week. So, but uh, it's been a long week, long work week. Um, I just got back. I went, I went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. oddly enough, uh, this last weekend. Uh, So got to experience some things out there. So it was like a mini vacation, but you know, people were wanting to get out and get some things done. It was pretty, pretty busy. Um, yeah. But, you know, it went faster than it should have. And then just back here and working on a few projects. Yes, finally. sir. Yes, you and, are. Uh, yes, you are. And so I'm really excited about that. And uh, yeah, man, keeping it, keeping it going. So, and then oddly enough, you know, tomorrow's Saturday. And, it, and it's funny because we'll be, you know, we're touching on this. Um, yeah. Some of the stuff I do on the side is kind of gimmicky, but um, got some Ghostbuster events in the middle of November book for, uh, for tomorrow and Sunday, um, which is kind of gimmicky, but you know, and I know we'll touch base on it. There is a reason we, uh, we started that group. So, um, but it, it's funny cause I learned a lot more once I started with that group, um, about everything and more that we'll, you know, talk about or touch base with. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and do you, do you want to give the group name out? I mean, go for it, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and everyone's going to think, oh, you're just, it's cute. You dress up, whatever. And a DeSoto County Ghostbusters on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, that's part of it. You know, a lot of it's community involvement and everything like that. But we have been asked uh, <laughs> to come check stuff out. Um, we do have a couple guys who are very intuitive with like what you've done Yeah. Uh, in doing, you know, the, the research and, and going and, and, and tracking and, and trying to find, you know, sources and, and everything. And, and I've slowly starting to get a little bit more acclimated with that. Yeah. Um, so we kind of do a little bit of both, you know, some people, you know, I, I tell people, Hey, you know, we, we take stuff serious. Um, and, but we also do it, uh, is just a kind of an awareness thing, but also, you know, it, it, it brings up a lot of good conversation, whether it's movie driven or, you know, spiritually driven uh with a lot of things so and you know anybody that is in the paranormal business and says that ghostbusters did not influence them is full of shit they're full of shit you know what i mean we saw that movie growing up and thought hey that would be badass now of course you know we don't have real proton packs we don't get to go out there and catch ghosts you know like that but everybody that is in the paranormal business has seen that flick and has thought, Hey, that would be cool. You know what I mean? And even in my group, you know, we, we always throw those ghostbuster things out there, you know, like we'll be driving to, to a location and we're like, Ray, what did you do? You know, like, and you know, we just say stupid lines or, you know, I call myself the Egon of the group because I build the equipment 
you know? Sure. And so we just, we, we have fun with it, you know? And I, I, I mean, hell, I would love to, for us to actually dress the part to go do these investigations, you know, that'd well, be fucking cool. And that was the thing, you know, before I started with it, I was pretty accustomed to, but I didn't realize how influenced it was by Dan Aykroyd and everything that he believes in. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he just wanted to kind of fabricate it into a movie that could appeal to people, but in a sense did open up some conversations. And you see, you see interviews with him since the movies and since everything else. And he's very, very much in tune with the spiritual world and, 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 and ghosts and, and aberrations and all that, you know, that play into that. So it's, it's just interesting that there are some core things that that's centered around that some people, yeah, it's, it's more than just a movie. So it is a literal gateway to just have that, you know, start that conversation and things just kind of affect that from there. So, yeah. So what I like to always do when I when I have my guests on my host yeah. my guest host because you're more than a, you're more than just a guest you're a guest host. Um, have you ever had any paranormal uh, experiences? You know it's weird because I, I I I never really could tell as a kid because they all happened when I was a kid. Uh, most of the stuff that I would think or what. I, I don't know. Looking back at it, if it if it's burned into my brain as much as it is at the age of thirty three to be able to tell you verbatim to like the time of day, the smell in the air, like if I can recite that of all the stuff that your brain can retain, I feel like there's two events in, specifically that I encountered as a child that had to have had those ties into them. It's not just some typical I'm scared of something or or it's a, you know, some under my bed kind of situation. Um, the first one in particular, you know, probably happened when I was like three or four years old. Um, and at the time we're living in Niantic, Illinois, a small farming town uh, outside of central Illinois, about three hours south of Chicago. And, uh, you know, my carpet was like neon blue. Uh, I had the weirdest toys. My, my bedspread looked like a racetrack. I could, I could tell you every, how that yeah. bedroom was set up. Yeah. Now, if this event wouldn't happen, I wouldn't remember any of that shit, Steve. There's no, there's no way. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you know, I watched a lot of like rerun cartoons that like my parents grew up watching, Mm -hmm. and uh, one in particular was called David the Gnome, right? Yes, dude. I I loved that show growing up. All right. So I I bring that up because some people don't know what that is, but I bring it up because I think their cartoon maybe originally came out in the 60s, late 60s, but they played reruns at four or five in the morning. Why was that before five in the morning? I don't know. Not a big deal. Anyways, uh, I remember is, you know, waking up uh, and looking at the foot of my bed, you know, and it's bed felt, you know, 12 feet long and I'm probably three or four years old. And I'm looking at the head of the bed and there is the troll. Okay. The trolls from David, the gnome, there's one. It's, so it's basically that head at the end of my bed, their eyes don't have any detail. It's whited out eyes. So it, it, it was the form of the troll head from David, the gnome essentially. Yeah. But for some weird reason, it was overtoned all in purple. I don't know if the color had significance or not, hmm. but he just stayed there laughing and, and like yelling, no, nothing in particular. And, yeah, as a kid, you know, you freak out, you yell, you scream for your parents. Well, my parents are down the hallway. It's a three, small three-bedroom house. They both wake up. They come and get me, ask me what I'm freaking out about. And that thing's still yelling at me. That thing's still communicating with me somehow. And I'm yeah. wide awake because yeah. my parents are talking to me like, what are you looking at? 
And what's really freaky is you think, you know, they take you out of that element, they take you out of the bedroom and maybe goes away. Maybe you're uh, whatever. Well, they're, I'm looking over my dad's shoulder and they're bringing me to their bedroom. And that thing is still down the hallway following me and just doing that, doing that, doing it until they shut their door. And that was it. But the problem was that weirded me out so much as a kid and freaked me out that I didn't sleep in my own bed for another four or five years until we literally switched rooms and stuff got remodeled and all that. This house was probably built in the forties, nothing crazy, you know, nothing super old. Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, I never really thought there was any history tied to the house. So that was one instance. And you, know, you could say, oh, well, it's tied to this, whatever. But it's just the fact that I was awake and this event was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. It did feel a little bit like sleep paralysis. Like we talked about it a couple episodes ago. I really couldn't tell because I couldn't move. Yeah. Um, but just the fact that the event was still occurring. Well, you know, my parents are still trying to figure out why well, my parents remember the event. Of course, they didn't see or hear what was going on. Yeah. Whatever. So. You fast forward from at the age of three or four to about 10 years later. Um, by that time, you know, the house has been remodeled, this and this. Bedrooms have been switched. Literally, my parents' bedroom is where my growing up child bedroom used to be and vice versa. But, uh, you know, one day my dad had to go to work um, early. I was like 12 or 13. And then, you know, my mom was getting ready for work. And I somehow, you know, got out of my bed or whatever. And she's like, well, hey, you can go sleep in our big king bed. You know, because it's a really nice bed, nice ceiling fan. I didn't have any of that shit. So, so I actually went and just crashed to my mom's room, and she's getting ready for work in her in the in the the bathroom. So I'm back in the same bedroom, mind you, that I had the ten years prior. I had that whole freak out thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm trying to go back to sleep. It's about three fifteen, three twenty in the morning. I, I remember that the alarm clock was huge, like. Shine on the wall, what time it was. And so I'm starting to doze off. I'm laying on my left side, looking over the bed, and I close my eyes. I open them real quick, and there's a stack of pots and pans from the ground to the ceiling. Looks like there's about 50 of them, right? Just random, rusted out pots and pans, whatever. Kind of reminded me of, uh, shit, what is that? The Disney thing where with the music Fantasia. Fantasia. All the, yeah, okay, Fantasia. so all Fantasia, all those plates and stuff, but just picture like rusted out pots and pans, right? Yeah. And I'm looking at it going, what the hell is that? And next thing I know, dude, they all come crashing down. Big, loud, like metallic crashing, all that. I don't freak out as much, but my mom hears it, runs down the hallway, and is like, what the hell was that noise? And I'm trying to explain, like, you heard that? Okay, here's what it was. There was a stack of pots and pans next to this bed, and they came crashing down. And she goes, Corey, there's no pots and pans here. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, but you heard it, correct? And she's like, yeah, but – and I'm like, but nothing. I was like, I, there, there's literally – we looked around the house all morning, couldn't find anything. Now, I know those are pretty probably low-key examples, but that's – that's my two experiences. My dad and my mom always told me that the house, they, I think they made up stories from their childhood or whatever. But, um, you know, after all those two little events had happened 10 years apart, I talked to my dad once and he said, well, the funny thing was we bought this house that the older lady who owned it before us did die in the house, natural causes. But, um, but he goes, the weird part, it wasn't that about her dying. It was just like after they moved into the house and the house came with like a lot of the stuff that was left. 
Yeah. There was an older oven downstairs that probably hadn't worked forever. And they'd been living in the house for probably like three months until they decided to move that oven. Well, they wanted to check the oven first. And when they opened it, there was a, a plate with a soft boiled egg on top. Like it looked like it had just been like cooked or something. And so that weirded my dad out anyway. So, I mean, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I don't know if, if the, if the, the, la- the lady's death had anything to do with it. Uh, it's just two instances that, you know, if you're able to give that much detail on an event, yeah, then definitely. It, it's impacted you somehow. Um, was I physically harmed? No. Was I mentally kind of perturbed? Absolutely. Well, yeah. And, but, you, know, uh, you know, we as kids, and that's why anytime a child tells me they see something or they've seen something, I believe them 1000% sure. because we have that innocence as children and to me, that is something that the other side can connect with. You know what sure. I mean? Whether whether it's something that is friendly, you know, like a relative or something that that's trying to let themselves be known, or um, if it's something malicious, you know. And I saw, and, and I kind of got chills when you were talking about the little troll thing that you saw. I saw something similar as a kid, okay. about the same age, and this this happened around the same time um, that I saw the Hat Man for the second time. Right. Yeah. And it, it happened in the same, same house that we lived in. Um, but I didn't see any distinct features, but it was a little, you know, little thing that I heard in the living room. I heard like a sawing noise coming from the living room. And I tried, and, you know, we all shared one room, you know, grew up poor. So we lived in this yeah. duplex that was one bedroom. Uh, my mom's bed was on one side of the room with my dad and my bed was on the other side. And my brother and my sister's crib was at the foot of their bed. My brother and my sister are what we call Mexican twins. They're nine months apart. So we call them Mexican twins. Um, but we heard, I heard a sawing noise and I heard it clear as day, like somebody was sawing wood. And so I woke my mom up and my dad wasn't home. He worked in the oil field. So he was hardly ever home. And um, I heard it sawing, sawing. And I woke my mom up and I, I remember, like, I remember everything. I remember every wow. detail of this room. I remember, you know, the bed sheets that we had and, it the sawing kept going and she's like no it's just your your brother or your sister's bottle just go to sleep and i'm like no that's not a bottle i know what the fuck a sounds a saw sounds like right so it had stopped while i was talking to my mom sure. well as soon as she fell back asleep and my mom snored when we were younger i don't know if she still snores but my my mom snored really loud so as soon as she started snoring again i heard the sawing noise and then i heard wood fall and i was like whoa what the hell and we had you know we had a we had wooden floors. So when you would walk, you would hear it, you know? And so she's asleep. My brother and my sister are asleep and I'm just laying there with the blanket and it was a blue bed sheet. I remember it was like a light blue <laughs> bed sheet and I'm laying there and I hear footsteps, tiny footsteps though, like just like tiny little tick, 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 tick. that's how it sounded. And so in the doorway, cause right, right. I could see right in the doorway. That's where uh, the living room was. I see this little, little things standing in the doorway and it screamed at me and that's, it just kept screaming and I freaked out and I got out of bed and I wasn't, I wasn't experiencing sleep paralysis at that time. And I got out of bed and I jumped from my bed to my mom's bed. Don't know how I made it, but I made it and it ran under my bed and I saw it run under my bed. And so I woke my mom up and she's like, what the hell's wrong with you? And I'm like, no, like there was something in that. Like I saw it. It screamed at me. I saw it. She got up, turned the lights on. There was nothing under the bed. Of course. 
from what she said, I didn't get up and look, but <laughs> from what she said, there was nothing under the bed and there was no sawdust in the living room or anything. You know what I mean? So, but I know what the fuck I saw. I know what I heard. And it was just like a tiny little, you know, okay. So I want to do a show on these creatures. They're called duendes. So basically like gnome type creatures. They're seen all over like Mexico and stuff. There's a lot of videos on YouTube and they look like David, the gnome. Like it's, they look like yard gnomes and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of documented cases and could it be people faking it? Of course, but it gives me chills because that's what I saw. Yeah. You know, uh, let's, let me see in the chat. It says, what is it about people who experience paranormal activities and their love for horror movies? What's the connection? <laughs> well, we're fucked in the head. Yeah. That's all I can say. You know, we're, I mean, we're, we're embracing it by this yeah, point. We have, you have to embrace, yes. you have embrace to embrace it, it you know, because as a kid, <laughs> I was so frightened of any of, of all that I, I wouldn't watch horror movies you know what i mean but once i started getting older that's when i was like eh, like i'm it's a movie it's a movie it's a movie but seeing the stuff in real life yeah. was more frightening than seeing it on tv you know what i mean so it's there's i guess there's a connection of people who love horror movies and you know people who have seen stuff like that but i know for me i mean that's where my love of paranormal comes from is because of the yeah. stuff i saw as a kid and I haven't seen anything that vivid in a long time. And I would love to, you know what sure. I mean? There as, as a paranormal investigator, that is something that we want. We want to see that stuff. You know, if, if I could go back in time to that point in time as an adult in some kind of time machine or something, just to prove that, Hey, this shit happened. I would love to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Bowser said Corey's mustache is pretty vivid. Oh, yes, it is. I have mustache envy right now. I only I grow sure. this this, you know, this little I call it my beaner sash. I can say that. Uh this is my that's little why, beaner sash. That's why I'm not taking off my hat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you have the nice beard. I have the full head of hair. We'll just leave it at that. I'm just saying I think the house I grew up in made me prematurely lose my hair. Okay. I'll put it that way. Hey, and hell, it might be possible. It could be possible. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, man. So that's, that's very strange. It's a very similar experience. It's not exactly the same as, you know, to what we saw was different, but I mean, hell, I used to watch David, the gnome on Nickelodeon. It used to come on Nick jr. At, you know, five o'clock in the morning. That was yep. the first show that they would show was David the Gnome. And, it, and honestly, that show is pretty heavy. Like, yep. like looking back at it now and the context of it and some of the things that were in it, I, very being very subliminal as a kid, you're just like, oh, you know, it's just, yeah, oh, that's scary. This, this spider, this gnome, this, but I don't know for me, it was just interesting that the head, for example, was, was purple. And then the yeah. fact that it, it felt like some, you know, I look at back at it now, with some of the information I have, and it's like, okay, why, why that visual, what kind of vessel was that? Or was it trying to, you know, I don't know. I overthink it, but it's just, I'm curious what the point of it was. Will I ever know? Absolutely not. You know, but it's funny. Cause like, I try to talk to people who have no clue what the hell that show is yeah, or, or that visual, or even the mindset of like a story like yours, where it's like, I've had an, a thing yell at me as a kid yeah. Yeah. that I, you know, couldn't really tell you why or what. And, and I'm telling you, man, if it freaked me out enough, it wasn't just like, Oh, there's monsters. It was just like that, that pretty much 
set me up early on to just not want to even be in my own room to play half the time yeah. when I was a kid. So it, I don't know, but that's, but yeah, that's, I mean, and it's really crazy, man, that people have these experiences. You know what I mean? That's why I love bringing you guys on because it's not just me babbling about what I've experienced. It's to show that other people all over have had these experiences, you know, and you you've gone so long thinking, man, I'm the only one that's experienced this. I'm the only one that's, you know, had this type of experience. And in actuality, I mean, who knows, maybe somebody else that, that we know has had that experience as well, or somebody else that's watching may have seen something very similar, you know, and I'm not saying it's the same exact entity or anything like that, but once I do the episode on Duendes, I think you'll, you'll find it very interesting because it basically what they look like. And I'm going to, I want to try to get uh, TJ some videos that we can play of them because it's sure it's, it's fucking creepy, man. That's the only way I can say it is it is fucking creepy. And it's anything for me that comes out of like Mexico or any legends that come out of, you know, South America for me, for some reason, I don't question them. I don't ever question anything that comes out of Mexico or South America, as far as like some type of urban legend or hauntings or anything like that. And I guess it's because the way I was raised, you know, to believe in, in spirits and stuff like that. So anytime I hear about, you know, we have this legend called uh, the Lechusa and basically it's a giant owl that has a witch's face. And if you see it, you know, it can carry you away and kill you. And it doesn't sound scary, but as a kid, hearing these stories about the Lechusa and then even seeing, I've actually, I'm not saying I saw like a witch's face or anything, but I've seen some big ass fucking owls, you know, that shouldn't have been where the, you know, there. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, but that's a whole different topic. That's a whole different story. Today we are talking ghosts in your neck of the woods, ghosts of Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but before we get on to the next topic, let me see. What does it say? Sunglasses before next topic. Are you talking about like right now? Do you have sunglasses, Corey? Man, oh, here we know. go. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oi. Oi, you. Yeah, you can't. You want to know why you look like a drop pie? Well, that's because you're not wearing any Project Ladder merch, you fucking goddamn lousy son of a bitch. How about you do us all a goddamn favor? Park up, pull your fucking head in, visit the website over at projectlouder.net, click on the merch tab, and most of all, tell yourself you're sick of looking like an asshole. Grab some of that merch, treat yourself to a nice cold frothy, and start being the mad cunt we both know you truly are, before I stab you in the face with a soldering iron. Cheers, cunts. things in horror movies then cabin 13 has the stuff for you check out their selection of horror themed props bins buffs action figures collectibles and more you can find them on facebook and instagram be sure to visit cabin13.com and buy something or i'll kill you marcio charlie's 
Horror Costume Studios. Premium hand-sculpted latex masks, busts, and hoods. Everything is handmade and painted by Marcio himself. Be sure to check out his wide range and selection of products over at Facebook and Instagram at Horror Costume Studios. Oh, hello. Do you know about Project Louder? Well, let me tell you. Project Louder is home to 16 of the finest podcasts a nerd could possibly procure. They have a show for everyone. Whether you're into horror films, modeling comics, 90s kid shows, or that weird tentacle-filled subgenre you search for at 3 in the morning. So head on over to projectlouder.net and treat yourself to something truly exquisite. Graveyard Classics. Horror-themed tees and posters, professional in-house screen printing, and clay prints. Powered by Deathstyle Art and Graphics. Go see what you can dig up over at GraveyardClassics.net. Come on down to Mask by Lance. <laughs> Premium Friday the 13th custom-made hockey mask. Down there in Tennessee by Lance McKinney. Find him on Facebook and Instagram over at Mask by Lance. Go order one now, boy. God damn it. That mask by Lance gets me every goddamn time. Every Dude, goddamn time. I was an hour away from his house and I just couldn't fit it into my schedule. Well, my wife's scheduled to go see him when we were in Gatlinburg and I felt like shit. But that that pretty much sums up East Tennessee. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, before we get into it, because I it just popped in my head right now. Um, I just want to talk a little bit on how we met each other. You know what I mean? Because it's not like we've known each other like this long time. You know, we just met each other by chance. You know, we became oh, friends yeah. on Facebook, you know, because Corey is the man that inspired me to cosplay as Jason Voorhees. Now, I had I had I had dressed up as Jason, but when I saw you as Jason, I was like, holy shit, like my mind exploded. I was like, I got to up my game, you know, so. I want to say thank you because of you. I upped my cosplay game because I mean, man, your, your shit is amazing, you know, and we need some more photo shoots, bro. That's all I'm saying. We need, no, some we, photo we shoots. Do. and real quick. Yeah. That it, it's, it's funny how that, uh, that works. I mean, you know, I follow a few people and then I start to build up things and then it's really cool how things trickle down. Cause you know, a lot of people sometimes, you unconsciously don't realize what you're kind of doing for the fandom. Yeah. It's very non-purposeful. You're just like, I'm a fan to being a fan. And they say, you know, you got fans of you being a fan, but people, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah meeting you in Blair's town the first time. That was a trip, dude. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, that was awesome. I was like, Holy shit, Kaufman. Looking, dude. like this is fucking nuts. You know? I was <laughs> like, Oh, you're Kaufman. Right. And I was like, we're Facebook friends, bro. Like, and it was so cool. And you know, and I love, I love that the fandom and even just Blairstown, man, I, I attribute everything. Now this podcast, everything to Blairstown, because sure. that's where I met all you guys. You know what I mean? And that right there was the catalyst for, for all of this, you know? And so just the fandom and, and people don't understand, like when I talk about, Oh, I love dressing up as Jason and doing appearances and it goes beyond that, man. Like yeah. this fandom is something that is just amazing, you know? And there's a lot of people out there that are like super fans and they just, you know, they go a little overboard with it, whatever, but I don't know what the overboard means. Overboard can mean a lot of things like 
being obsessed with a, a vehicle in a, in a movie. You know, it, it's shit like that. Well, you know, I, I mean, I can say I personally know somebody that bought a vehicle from the movie. It, uh, yeah, but you know, whatever. That's 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 neither here nor sounds there. Sounds like a loser to me. <laughs> no, man, he's so awesome. He's awesome. But no, man, and you know, w- with the stuff that you do, and you know. You have the horror crit page, which is another awesome idea, you know, and I, I love that page, you know, for people that because, yeah, there's all these Facebook pages, but I love the horror crypt, even though we're small. But if somebody wants to go in there and do a, a raffle, you know, we're not dicks about it. Everybody tries to support everybody that's in there. And yep. it's a it's a great community to be in, you know, yep. and so my, you know, our love for Friday the 13th is what basically got us here, you know? And, and like I said, I love the fact that I made so many new friends off of just my love for a movie, you know, because I wasn't the type of person to go on a solo trip by myself, right. you know, and I flew from Texas to, you know, New York and then drove to Blairstown it, and it was awesome. It was like, honestly, one of the best weekends of my life, yeah. like still oh, yeah. to this day, yeah. hanging out with everybody and meeting everybody. And it was just, it was, it was a damn good time, but now back to the show, let's do this. So the first haunting that I looked up was the Tennessee state prison in Nashville. Um, It's located just minutes away from downtown Nashville. The Tennessee state prison closed in 1992 in 1902, a group of 17 imprisoned men blew. What what the hell did I put? Oh, they blew out the end of one of the prison wings. Uh, it would kill an inmate and allow two of them to escape. The two that escaped were never captured. So it was a good jailbreak. Another problem um, was when a group of prisoners had gained control of the white wing. They would hold this segregated wing captive for 18 hours. After 18 hours, they would surrender. It was in 1907 that several convicts had gained control of a switch engine. They proceeded to drive it through the gate of the prison. There was a mass escape stage in 1939. They had several fires ignited and one of them had destroyed the dining room. There were many riots that had occurred between 75 and 85. So there was a lot of history, a lot of energy in this prison as there is with all prisons, you know, and there was, this was a prison where they executed people. So have you ever heard anything about that? Or, I mean, do you know anything? It's weird. Like a lot of, a lot of the, the uh, nuanced stuff I didn't. That was very like just hit me in the head over the head with the history book kind of stuff. Yeah. What I did know was like uh, about it because uh, I'm only about two and a half, three hours away from there. My dad actually lives out that way now. He lives just north of Nashville in uh, I forgot the name of the town. Uh, <laughs> it's like literally 20 minutes, 30 minutes north. But the stuff about like, uh, that place, I'm pretty sure, like you said, was um, that was the place that housed like the the guy who assassinated Martin Luther King yeah. went to that yeah. prison. Um, yep. He did what he did in Memphis. Nashville was kind of the hub, you know, for the uh, the state, you know, corporal punishment kind of stuff. Um, and then you know Johnny Cash playing uh, for the inmates, you know, on on a tour there. Um, yep. So a lot of that I knew, uh, and of course, you know, it's not a big uh, super fancy nickname, but yeah, for for most of the Southern states that had the electric chair um, and then commissioning that that was their death penalty uh, basically. And then calling it old Sparky. So, I mean, that, th- that I knew, but you're kind of uh, your background of the history of what inmates tried to do to escape that place for, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so th- that was that's my history on it and what I did know. But I, it's so cool seeing someone dig a little bit deeper uh, just to give more. Like you said, that explains a lot of the energy going on, <laughs> not just yeah. the fact of them flipping switches, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, and even they even, you know, uh, they filmed a couple of movies there. The uh, the Green Mile, Ernest Goes to Jail, The Last Castle. Um, but it's like I said, it's most famous for the prison breaks, the riots, the fires and the inhumane conditions. Now, it was right. built in 1889 and it has such a rich history that that's why I think that a lot of the things that people have said that they've seen are heard mostly because I really didn't find anything where people said they saw like apparitions or anything like that. Um, nobody reported any kind of like mists or anything. Uh, majority of them were, were sounds that they heard. They would hear like clanging in the cells. Um, you may feel like cold spots in the area, which I mean, in an old building, that's, it could be something it could not, you know, it could just be sure. a cold spot, you know, but right. with the energy that's there, there's no doubt in my mind that there has to be something there, you oh, know, sure. um, there was a hundred prisoners that were executed in old Sparky, you know? So there, there had to, there has to be something there. Um, people have also heard phantom footsteps, sure. which, you know, could somebody be in the building when they're not supposed to be? Of course, as always, you know, but they've, they've had, you know, paranormal investigators go and investigate and it's multiple people that have caught these sounds. It's not just, you know, yeah. one group that's like, oh my God, we got this. No, like multiple people have experienced all these significant things in the haunting. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, with, with, I think that, you know, it, with a place like that, there's a very, very, very good chance that it houses some type of negative energy, especially with sure. if the conditions were very bad as, you know, prisons back in the day, they, they didn't really keep them up that great. You know, you were there because you fucked up in life and, you know, you didn't have any rights, you know, especially back in like the 50s, 60s, you know? Um, so I, 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 I honestly think that there's, there's a lot. I've done an investigation at just a county jail. We went to the uh, Lavaca County Jail and we got tons, tons of, of just crazy evidence, you know, and that was one of the first investigations that my group did together, you know, when we first formed and it, it was just mind blowing the, the things that we got and the, the energy that was there. I felt something touch me. That was the first time in an investigation, something has physically like put its hand on me and I felt it and there was nobody around me. So it prisons and jails and stuff like that, that have that kind of negative history more than I mean, they, for sure, it's it's something's going on in there. Now, I would love to see if somebody ever does catch anything that is like a full body apparition or something like that. But from the research that I did, I didn't see that. It's just all sounds that people have heard. So, but did you have anything else on that one? No, I mean, you touched on it. I mean, it's it's a place I can tell you this. I have not visited it yet, but it's. And that's what's weird. I've been down here about five years. I'm literally just 20 minutes south of Memphis and all its crazy history. Um, yes. And then uh, Nashville is about three hours away. Then, you know, you're on the banks of the Mississippi River, um, which you learn more about that every day. Um, yeah. So I'm learning more because honestly, before I moved out here, you know, being in Illinois, I was starting to really understand some of the stuff that was going on in Illinois or or history in Illinois when it came to ghosts and Greenwood Cemetery that we were like, 
live next to and all that. Um, wow. So then coming out here, it's kind of like in your face because everything's Southern, a little bit older and uh, the heritage stuff really starts to permeate because there's a lot more, you know, that's just around that people are willing to talk about when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Frankie? We got Frankie Clayton here. What's going on, man? Hope you're doing good, bud. I know he uh, he had been sick or something. He was yep. at the doctor or something. So glad to see you doing good. Uh, let me read something from the chat before we move on to the next one. It says, it's so fascinating that people from around the world will experience similar paranormal activities. At what point do you think we need to start accepting the other side of the world instead of being freaked out by it? Uh, what, what do you mean? The, like the other side of like the, the globe or the other side as in paranormal? Um, because, I mean, that's just something we should all accept either way, whether it's other cultures or whatever, or even the afterlife. People should yeah. just accept it. I mean, it's energy. We're all energy and energy never disappears. So, you know, that's something that I've accepted for a very long time. Yeah. You know? So the the next one was kind of a kind of a funny read for me. Um, I, you want to go ahead and talk about this one? Uh, well, I mean, I can I can read it and then I'll give you my. Uh, yeah, go for it, man. Go for it. Small, small, tiny perspective on it. But uh so uh, the meme in Shelby Forest uh, and the Pigman in Germantown, Tennessee. Germantown, Tennessee, for me, is about eh, less than 30 minutes um, from me. Uh, and it's actually about 20 minutes off the interstate going eastbound from Memphis. Uh, Germantown is one of those towns that started to grow kind of. So you got Memphis. You know, Memphis has always been big populated area. But then when it started getting too populated, it's like, you know, people started moving outwards. And creating these little smaller historical towns that kind of developed. So uh, you're looking at about 13,000 acres of land. The most well-known ghost is that of a man who worked at a local explosive plant, obviously, during the Second World War. He was horribly, wickedly disfigured during an accident and was given the nickname Pigman. Uh, the stories of Pigman are that he wanders around in the dead of night, wearing the face of a pig, looking for his next victim. Another version of Pigman Tell describes him as a recluse who would put a dead pig head on spikes around his property to keep people away. Kind of a redneck Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> uh, and trust me, it, I'm not too surprised. I've yeah. been down here long enough. And now, that, <laughs> and now that he has passed on, he haunts his property, scaring those who come near. A third story claims Pigman was an animal trainer in the circus and was mauled by pigs that turned on him and killed him. He is said to appear with a human body and the head of a pig and accompanied by a horrible stench before it happens. There's also a bridge in Millington, Tennessee, that is said that if you call his name three times, he will appear. And uh, maybe a ghost, maybe someone playing a trick. Either way, beware. So um, my only two cents with this is I've heard this. And the only reason I started hearing this is because um, I help with some local uh pro wrestling events, um, yeah. mainly security. And there's a gentleman who uh, <laughs> kind of embodies this character, if you will. He's a smaller, scrawnier guy, kind of a luchador type aerial assault guy, if you will. But he comes out and he embraces the whole haunted, scary aspect, comes out with smoke coming out of his head and through the entrance, whatever. But he wears a pig mask that he removes. And that pig mask, man, it just it it creates that extra sense of fear. And after talking with him a little bit and talking and understanding why he did it, it had ties into this kind of this 
I don't know which of these stories, but this kind of angle and with it being, you know, you're in that heart of the Southern belt of wrestling and, 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 but then you have the ties into some, you know, uh, ghost related horror type stories. I couldn't tell you which one of these sounds more real. Cause I feel like this could be a little bit of everything. Yeah. I, I, I do believe that I, I feel like it may be associated um, with an accident and being deformed. I could see where that plays into effect. Um, you know, being a Friday the 13th fan and, you know, it, it, and seeing how the aspects of, uh, you know, deformities and certain things freak people out without an understanding. And then seeing for, you know, even though it's a very, you know, out there kind of story that this, that sounds like that's the most likely case scenario. You know, someone lashes out after being made fun of because of a disfigurement. Um, and then maybe later on, you know, dying in some manner that, you know, it's just kind of a, a vengeful spirit that's just always wanting to take it out. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, that I I've heard of it before. I just wish I could kind of pick which one I think it's more inclined to. Yeah. But um, it's it's still an interesting story. And in the case, I don't see my ass going to Millington anytime soon. Oh yeah, sure. hell no, hell no. But, uh, regardless, regardless of which one I'm the story to, to really me. is. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's thing to experience, but I'm going to be you know making making curtain calls to anybody saying, hey, you know, let's uh, let's see if this works. Yeah, uh, let's 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 that. get on this bridge and call the pig man, see if he shows up. Right. So when I read this, the only thing the only thing that popped in my head uh, was the movie Motel Hell. Okay. Have you ever seen that one? Yes. That you know the, he wears the the pit. That that's that's the only thing that popped in my head. So, but I mean, it's very interesting because you know this this also could be something you know like um, think Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Yeah. Anybody could be this. Anybody. Anybody yeah. could be this character, this, you know, this legend. And all it would take is a pig's head. You know, some crazy right. dude could be, you know, running out in the woods and batshit crazy. And he's like, oh, I'm the pig man. And, you know, so it supernatural, maybe. But who who knows? The next topic, though. Holy shit. This is one of the ones that is probably the longest one we're going to talk about. Uh, well, I know it's the longest text that I that I typed out for it. It's the Bell Witch Cave in Adams, Tennessee. Do you know anything about the Bell Witch Cave no, before this? Zero. Before I read it, nothing. Okay, so I watch a lot of paranormal shows. Of course, I watch you know a lot of fucking horror movies, and I had seen a movie about the Bell Witch. I was like, oh well, that's cool. Didn't know it was real. Had no fucking idea it was real until I was watching an episode. I don't remember if it was Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures or maybe one of the knockoffs. I don't know, but they did an investigation in the area of the Bell Witch Cave, and I was like, holy shit! Like this really went. Like this shit really went down. Like this was legit. There's proof that all of this stuff happened. So. Taken from bellwitchcave.com because I have to give credit where credit is due and bellwitchcave.com is where I got this. So John Bell, a farmer from North Carolina, along with his wife and children, settled in northern Robertson County, Tennessee in 1804. Their farm consisted of 320 acres of rich farmland and laid along the Red River. They lived a quiet, peaceful life there for 13 years and were members of the Red River Baptist Church where John became a deacon. The family grew and became somewhat prosperous. In the late summer of 1817, something would happen that would change their lives forever. 
some 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 members of the family began seeing strange looking animals around the property. Now, when I read that, everything, anytime I see strange looking animal or some kind of humanoid animal, I think skinwalkers. Yeah. Everything always goes back to skinwalkers for me. So that's what I thought at first. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. So then it continues to say, then late at night, they started hearing knocking sounds on the doors and the outer walls of the house. Later, sounds were being heard in the house. Sounds of a rat gnawing on the bedpost, chains being drugged through the house, stones being dropped on the wooden floors, then gulping and choking sounds. Holy shit, that's kind of creepy. You know, like, especially talking about hearing sawing noises and the little footsteps. Yeah. Yeah, huh. So the family was terrified, but kept the problem to themselves for over a year. Of course, I mean, especially back in those days in the 1800s, you didn't want to go around saying, oh, well, I heard this or I heard this, you know, because people would be like, oh, well, what are you doing in your house? You're a witch. Let's burn this yeah. shit down, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when things became intolerable, John confided in a neighbor, James Johnson. He invited Mr. and Mrs. Johnson to spend the night. After several nights of witnessing the strange things, Mr. Johnson suggested that more people should be told and a committee was formed and an investigation started. It was not long before people were coming from miles around to hear and witness the the unseen force that was terrorizing the Bell home. Before long, this unseen force had gained enough strength that it now had a voice. When asked who and what it was, it gave different identities. It once stated it was the witch of a neighbor named Katie Batts. This was what many people believed. And from then on, the unseen force was called Kate and the Bell's Witch. So what could have happened here is it could have just been a simple kind of poltergeist type of haunting, but because they gave it energy from people coming and seeing it and this entity being able to draw energy from these people, it blew up into something bigger, you know, because a lot of times that's what happens. You know, you, you have a spirit that is very, very weak, but you start getting people in. And especially people that believe or that are scared. And I genuinely believe that these things feed on fear, especially if they're not good, you know? So that's could be what we have here. So it seemed that Kate had two main reasons for visiting the bell home. The main one was to kill John bell for what reason? No one knows because Kate never gave a reason why the bitch just wanted to kill him. The second reason was to stop John's youngest daughter, Betsy from marrying a certain neighbor boy named Joshua Gardner. Over the next three years, Kate tormented members of the Bell family almost daily. John and his daughter, Betsy, were the ones that who received the worst of the physical abuse. Betsy had her hair pulled. She was pinched, scratched, stuck with pins, and even beaten. You know, at what point do you just say, I'm done. Fuck it. I'm moving out. Let's <laughs> just pack up. We'll sell the oh, farm. Man. You know, like, I, I'm, you know, like, I love this stuff. And like I said, I would love to experience this, but... I mean, fuck, man. Enough is enough, you know? Um, while John Bell began suffering from spells of swelling of the throat and often had the feeling of being s- of a stick being sideways in his throat. Oh, wow. Then came the twitching and jerking of the facial muscles. Kate would blast him with curses and hideous threats during these spells. As time went on, John Bell became weaker and weaker. Kate was becoming well-known and drew large crowds of people. Big mistake. She seemed to be very intelligent in many things. The Bible, people's past and future. She could be in two places at the same time, miles apart from each other. Kate finally accomplished her mission for coming to the Bell Farm. On December 20th, 1820, John Bell had died. 
It was believed that he was poisoned by Kate and Kate took full credit for his death. And then in March of 1821, young Betsy broke off her engagement with Joshua Gardner. Kate then bid everyone farewell and promised to return in seven years. She did return in 1828 for a few short weeks. During this visit, she came home. She came to the home of John Bell Jr. and had long talks with him about the past, the present, and the future. She made some predictions for the future. Kate also said there was a reason for John Bell's death. However, she never said what the reason was. After the second visit, she after the second visit, she said her next return would be in 107 years. That would have been in 1935. But some believe that she, Kate, never left the area at all due to strange things that have occurred in and around the town of Adams and the Bell Witch Cave over these many years. So now that I think about it, it wasn't Ghost Hunters. It wasn't Ghost Adventures. It was something that I had seen on Amazon Prime. And these guys had gone to the property because there still is a house there. Um, but they were this this family was experiencing the same stuff that was occurring at the at the at the the house of John Bell, but it was in a different location. But they were hearing the bangings and they told the sheriff and the sheriff was coming out and there was never anybody out there. But even the sheriff was like, yeah, we've heard the banging like we've been here while somebody was banging outside and they showed the uh, the police cam footage and everything. And they went outside and there was nobody to be found. So this ghost hunting team set up all around the perimeter of this property to try to catch somebody, you know, maybe sneaking into the, the property to try to scare these people. Um, and they even went to the Bell Witch Cave to try to get, you know, some evidence there. And things were moving in the house. Pictures were falling off the wall. There was a dark entity that you saw kind of peek in the frame and then go out. And so there's no doubt in my mind that it could have been Kate, you know, the, the, like I said, with the energy, especially if hundreds of people were coming to witness this entity and they gave this entity, I mean, for one, they fucked up naming the entity. You never give an entity a name ever that that's your first mistake. Um, but having it come and, and go and then come and go, People bringing energy, especially because, you know, back then people were scared. People were scared of a lot of sure. stuff back then, especially the unknown. So it, they basically gave this witch life, you know, now maybe it was somebody that had lived in the area before and, you know, she really was a witch. I'm thinking something demonic, you know, especially with with the things that I that I've read about this haunting and all of this is very well documented. There's newspaper articles. There's tons and tons of, of things that have been written about the bell, Witch and the hauntings there. So there's no doubt in my mind that, that this is definitely a paranormal experience right there. What do you think? I don't know, man. Yeah. It, it's weird how much information there is on it. Cause yeah, once I was reading this and just really starting to break off and trying to, it, pages and pages uh and i think in 2008 there was some type of like hour-long documentary even made on it or in some form of it um but that's interesting but yeah like you said you know and it could be one of those things where this entity is just all about attention but when you you know just like anything else you, when you feed people attention dead or alive <laughs> yeah you know uh, it it builds up an ego and there's nothing saying that entities can't have egos too um, and then feeding off of that, you know, just they may get a, you know, their rocks off on it, you know, because yep. in, in some cases they don't even realize they may realize that they're, you know, just kind of 
dead in a sense, but why would that change the kind of person or, you know, thing they were? So definitely I, it's, that's an interesting, (laughs) I'm going to end up digging deeper into that than I probably should have, should, but you know, so if I ever make my way to Tennessee for an investigation, (laughs) you're coming with me and we're going, I know. And then I, and then I know the next thing you're going to ask is, can we take the ghostbuster car? I already know. Yes. Can we take the ghostbuster car for the love of God? There's, there's plenty of room for all the tools needed. (laughs) (laughs) So So we will, we've been talking about, um, we have, you know, our EMF readers and I want to buy a, a PKE meter you know, the, the toy that they sell at Walmart and I'm going to mod it and put, yeah. I'm going to put that EMF reader. Cause you know, right in the center of the PKE, it's the perfect size for that EMF. Yeah. So if I cut that out, so eventually you're going to see my dumb ass on Facebook with a PKE meter. That's really an EMF reader. Cause yeah. I'm going to do it. It's going to, and I'm not, I'm not going to be here to argue with you. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the whole point, you know? So, so wow. I know you have some personal, I mean, not maybe personal haunted experience, but you have some personal experience with this next one. So I'm going to let you take this last okay. one right here. Uh, that's cool. All right. Uh, the Orpheum Theater in Memphis, Tennessee. Originally the Grand Opera House, which burned down in 1923, the Orpheum Theater was opened in 1928. Uh, it is the Mid-South home to traveling Broadway productions and holds a total of 2,308 seats and was one of the first buildings to be placed on the National Register of Historic Places in the city of Memphis. There are supposedly six spirits which inhabit the Orpheum, but the best known is that of Mary, a 12-year-old girl who is said to show up the most. One of the most famous people to witness Mary was Yul Brenner while rehearsing for the, the King and I in 1982. She has been seen wearing a white dress and has long braided brown hair. She is seen... Uh, in the balcony in seat CF. Other reports have listed Mary as a nine-year-old girl who lost her life in front of the theater in a car accident. Uh, but in either case, the descriptions are the same of her. One story is that she, the, the ghost of the girl who died uh, in a fire when the Orpheum burned down in the early 1900s. Another is that she fell from the balcony to her death. There are also reports of lights flickering, doors slamming. Uh, there's also a masked ghost who is said to be in the theater air ducts and has been seen waving during performances. Now the Warfium is interesting. That was one of the first places I was told about when I moved down here um, because of how old it was. Um, and, you know, walking in there, uh, going to some shows uh, with my now wife, um, it's still very old school. And I mean, that is in terms of uh, back in the day before everyone was super fat ass like me, um, you were had to fit into these seats and they're the original Orpheum seats. Okay. They're about this wide. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, it's almost like, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've been there and there's places, there's certain areas that are blocked off. Everything's very been restored, if you will. But that's the first thing I ever heard of is all these stories, um, especially with the little girl. Um it is kind of weird because you're in there and the Orpheum's, you know, obviously a little bit different, has some updates to it, but you do see where they've put in, uh, you know, sections to make sure that these uh, shorter uh, balcony rails that could easily, you know, if you're running down the balcony towards the balcony on these upper levels, they had to put giant like clear guards up so you don't fly over them. So I could yeah. definitely see that happening. Um, yeah. And then seeing where all the electric 
candles are now than realizing that that's probably where real candles were. It's easy to see how this place could go up in flames, whether it was playing, you know, uh, playing uh, old film or, you know, drapery or this. I mean, stuff's always switched out. You know, when they did, when they had chandeliers in the old shows uh, back in the 1920s and everything, you know, all those chandeliers had real candles, you know, so I could see a lot of these different storylines going on. Have I seen anything since I've been here? No. Um, but I've heard enough uh, that I would like to actually go when it's trying to be understood, go when there's not a lot of action going on when it comes to like shows and all that. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, I did end up proposing to my wife outside of the Orpheum uh, right before we went to go see uh, was it Oz. I think it was or everything. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah. it it's, it's pretty old school and it's, it, it's neat. Cause I've seen a lot of stuff there. I've seen, you know, people perform and all that, but just to know some, that there are some, you know, there is some energy and history behind it is, has been pretty neat. I'd love to experience it, especially in that kind of building, because that is still one of the truer buildings there that, um, you know, has a lot of history and has been totally remodeled or totally demolished and built back up in a way that, uh, might compromise anything so yeah well i mean it with the history there there you know there's there's documented proof that this little girl did die in an accident you know and whether that's mary or not there's still some kind of proof that leads me to believe that you know more than likely this this is a haunted area you know um but next time you're there, you know, after all this COVID crap, and you know, maybe yeah. you'll keep an eye up in the rafters and you'll see the the little phantom of the Orpheum waving at you. Well, and then the fact that there hasn't been anything going on, I'm pretty sure there could be some, you know, I'm pretty like I said, I think I think sometimes spirits or or, or whatever or, or that are still uh in those areas. I mean, if they don't have anything to kind of release, you know, I, I think it's the same thing as, as, you know, being a human being. If you're kind of don't have that contact for a while and you finally do, you're, it's going to be super crazy and super awkward because you, you know, it's like, I feel like if you went now when there's nothing really going on, nothing saying that these entities aren't really wanting to show out or, or get back to their, their routine, if you will. Yeah. Cause some yeah. of them, I think, you know, they're, they're probably accustomed to it. So yeah, definitely. Well, man, um, we're going to go ahead and wrap the show up, but before we do, I just want to throw a, f- a, a few honorable mentions out there. Yeah. Uh, Ernestine and Hazel's the metal museum and the Molly Fontaine lounge. Correct. Uh, if you guys want to look them up, um, there was some really cool stuff on there. I just didn't have time to squeeze them in. So Corey, man, I want to thank you so much for coming in and sharing your experience, man. I know, Absolutely. uh, when, when we first talked about it, you were like, I have something I want to say, yeah. you know, so <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that I got to get you on here and, I appreciate you know, it, and just, just shoot the shit with you, man. And, um, do you want to give a throw out to any of the stuff you got going? You want to, you know, any of your, your products that you have, uh, you know, um, me and Dale actually, uh, cabin 13, uh, my buddy Dale, who's the other half cabin 13. Uh, he's actually just recovering him and his wife are recovering from COVID. Nothing, oh, nothing too crazy. But the fact is, you know, they got it. They're recovering. Um, so we're getting back in that mode. It's it's post uh, haunt <laughs> Halloween type season for us yeah. at Cabin 13. But we're getting back in the swing of things. We've got a lot of stuff going on. 
Um, it's been kind of a lull, you know, just trying to catch up on orders. Um, so definitely give us a like and follow. We got some, a lot of cool designs and a lot of cool pieces with our shirt designs and, and, and resin casts and stuff that we're working on. I need um, to pick me up one of those statues you guys have on there. Those little resin. Busts man, you, guys have. you should. And then you're going to be like crap because we, Dale has uh, really, me and him have tag teamed on some things and he's working on a couple sculptures right now that I'm like, I can't wait till I can have it in my position to paint. Yeah. Yeah. Paint. Okay. Definitely. So keep an eye out for that. Um, so yeah, cabin 13 again, you're going to see a lot of me. I, I try to stay as involved as I can down here. Uh, there's so much going on down here, which is still good. I mean, yeah, in the Southern States, it's a little bit lax in terms of rules, Yeah, but definitely. you know, as, as being part of the ghostbusters, we're still trying to appease families that are struggling and all that and helping them out. So again, follow follow me and, and my team at uh, the Soto County ghostbusters, just because we're in the Memphis area doesn't mean we can't reach out to you guys. We have a pretty good following and we keep, doing you know spreading our love and what we can for you know saint jude children's hospital and uh, the ronald mcdonald house that's our big two places awesome. we like to give back to so awesome. i appreciate you letting me do that and i appreciate oh, yeah, you bringing on the show man i mean oh, yeah man anytime so whatever you need from me you know if you need me back for anything <laughs> if yeah, you hell yeah, saying, man. hey we need to talk more about some mississippi stuff uh oh, there's some there crazy stuff that happens down in mississippi there's a couple crossroad areas a couple haunted you know railroads um that yeah. some of the ghostbusters actually have have actually went ahead and went out on some things with, I haven't got the opportunity yet, but it's there. So you let me know, man. And again, awesome. thank you oh, yeah, for, definitely. for letting me hop on. So uh, next episode, episode five of somewhat supernatural will be featuring the man, the myth TJ Bowser. And we will be talking UFOs in that one right there. So have your uh, tinfoil hats ready. Cause it's going to go down. So don't forget the audio version will be available on iTunes, Spotify, and over at projectlouder.net. Once again, guys, all of you that have tuned in tonight, I uh, want to thank you guys. And Corey, once again, thank you, man. I appreciate you being here. So you guys stay spooky. I'll see you in two weeks.